You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Episode number 67 of that one time on tour is brought to you by the band Nonstarter. Straight out of Dallas, Texas, Nonstarter consists of four longtime friends creating dynamic music with thoughtful lyrics. If you are a fan of Propagandi, Strung Out, Melancholin, and or Lagwagon, you may have just found your new favorite band. For more information on Nonstarter, check them out on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at NonstarterT. X. Now here it is, their new single, You Believe.
What's up? This is Ray from Teenage Bottle Rocket, and you're listening to That One Time on Tour. Everybody out there in podcast land, what is going on? This is Chris Swinney. As always, I am your host for that one time on tour. This is my podcast where I get to sit down with somebody in or around the entertainment industry and have a really cool conversation. And this week is no different. I got to sit down with Mr. Ray Carlisle from Teenage Bottle Rocket. Such a great band, and Ray was such a great guy to talk to. I want to thank Vanessa over at Fat Records for setting up this little conversation between Ray and myself. Um, I've been having a lot of fat bands on the podcast lately, which is fine with me because I love Fat Records, and I always have. There's a little bit more of a Fat Records tie-in as well. The band at the beginning of the episode, the sponsor band, Nonstarter, the singer in that band is Sean Cologne, who has been on the show in the past. He directed the Fat Records documentary, A Fat Wreck. He also directed the brand new video by Teenage Bottle Rocket for their song, I Want to Be a Dog. And uh, we talk about that in the conversation as well. But it's just cool how this is like everything's tied together, you know, like Sean's band, Sean did the documentary on fat. He did the new video for Teenage Bottle Rocket. Teenage Bottle Rocket is on fat. Everything ties together. So uh, thank you guys for coming back once again. This episode is going to be great. I'm going to keep this this intro a little bit shorter than they have been in the past. I don't have a TOTOT radio segment. I don't have a top five list, but I have a new segment that I'm going to try that was brought up by one of my patrons. So uh, before we get to that, I do need to pay some bills, keep the lights on. I got to tell you guys about my sponsors need to tell you about Permanence Tattoo Gallery over in Anderson, Indiana. You guys hear me talk about it all the time. It's a great shop. It's probably the best place to get tattooed in the state of Indiana. It's on Meridian Street in downtown Anderson, Indiana. So if you are in East Central Indiana, head on over to Permanence Tattoo Gallery. You can also find them at Permanence Tattoo Gallery on all the social medias. And uh, another sponsor that I tell you guys about all the time, Merge 4. You have to check out Merge 4. They sent me enough socks to where I can go about three or four weeks without having to do laundry. <laughs> Their socks are amazing. They have collaborations with artists. They have collaborations with skateboarders, with surfers, with, with musicians, like everything. Their socks are so cool. I got these uh, socks that have the Circle Jerks logo on it. And I got these socks that have Foo Fighters logo, like all these really cool socks. So I mean, why should you just wear a shirt with a band you like? You should wear socks as well. So uh, go on over to merge4.com. Tell them that Chris from that one time on tour sent you and, you know, buy some stuff. They're a great company and they do charity work. They do all kinds of great stuff. So check them out. Also, speaking of Merge 4, we're going to be doing 
a contest that I've talked about many, many times, but it's really coming, it's coming down to the wire. I'm going to announce all the details for it. We're going to be doing a patron only contest to win some swag from Merge 4 and a few of our other sponsors. So if you guys want to become eligible for that, head on over to patreon.com forward slash T-O-T-O-T podcast. That is patreon.com forward slash T-O-T-O-T podcast. Get in at the $5 level and uh, you guys will be eligible for the contest and for all kinds of other stuff coming up as well. I'm going to start posting some bonus episodes and all kinds of goodies for the patrons. Speaking of the patrons, we have three new patrons and then another little thing I need to tell you about. Uh, Mr. Matt Bromley from Australia is a new patron. I'd like to say thank you very much for signing up, Matt. I appreciate your support. Carl Uberbacher, I think I'm saying that right. I might have brutalized your name there from Vermont. Thank you, Carl, so much for becoming a patron. We really appreciate it. And Mr. Hunter Gross here in Indiana. Thank you very much, Hunter. And you know, you guys, you guys help out a lot. It it takes some money to run this thing. And uh, knowing that you guys get enough out of this podcast that you will donate your hard earned money every month to help us out. It means a lot. And I, I really I'm really glad you guys like it. I'm going to start giving you some really, really cool content. I also want to say that uh, one of our oldest running patrons, Mr. Bob Foster out of California, he increased his pledge from $5 to $10. So Bob, that that's amazing. I, I just, I talk to you all the time on Instagram. I think you're one of the, one of the top, you know, fans or friends of the show. So uh, thank you very much to our new patrons, Matt Bromley from Australia, Carl Uberbacher from Vermont, Hunter Gross from Indiana. And thank you, Bob, for increasing your pledge. Like I said, if you guys want to get involved, head on over to patreon.com forward slash TOTOT podcast. If you want to become a sponsor, if you have a company or you have a band, you're looking for some cheap promotion Hit me up, TOTOTpodcast at gmail.com, and we will take care of it. Okay, so uh, some personal stuff. My sister yesterday had a new baby, my my little my new little nephew, Mr. Archer Philip Schomburg. Uh, he was like nine pounds, one ounce, I think is what it was. I can't really remember. Uh, and I'm super, super happy for my sister and her family and I, I can't wait to you know to go hang out with my new little nephew uh i think archer's kind of a cool name i think we're going to call him archie i think that's what the consist consensus has been and his middle name philip is after my dad and uh i think that's pretty cool i i, I i'm done having kids <laughs> and i didn't use my dad's name so i'm glad that, i'm glad that my sister did so uh congratulations to my sister sarah and her family on the new arrival of Archer Philip Schomburg. And uh, speaking of my dad, that brings me to my new segment that I'm going to try. Uh, I've told some stories about my dad in the past. Uh, my, my dad passed away uh, back in 2005 and it was, it was horrible, man. Like he was my best friend and I have so many great stories about my dad. My dad supported my music as much as any parent could, you know, like he, he helped me out. He was my he was my biggest fan, you know. And I have some great stories, like the story that I told about how he cussed out Carrie King from Slayer and, and all kinds of stuff. So I'm uh, on the the advice of one of my patrons that wanted to hear more about my dad. I'm gonna try to tell some dad stories once in a while. So here's a real short one for this first segment. Uh, my dad used to take me to concerts all the time, and I'm not really sure what year this was, but when I tell you the band, you'll you'll kind of get the idea. 
but we were going to Bloomington, Indiana, to the big Coliseum there where the Indiana Hoosiers play to see Bush, no doubt, and the Goo Goo Dolls. <laughs> like I said, I'm not sure what year this was, but it was good concert. I mean, I like all those bands pretty well. But uh, I really went there just to see Bush. I think I was a, a big Bush fan back in the day. But, um, and come to think of it, you know, Gwen Stefani and Gavin Rosdale, they got married and had kids. And maybe that tour is where they met. That's probably where they met and got married. I don't know. Never thought of that before. But uh, we, every time my dad would take me to a concert, after the concert, we would like hang out by the buses and try to like meet people, you know. And I remember after that concert, we were outside and we didn't see anybody from Bush or any, we didn't see Gwen or anybody from No Doubt. But the guy, the singer, I think Johnny Resnick is his name, from the Goo Goo Dolls, he walked out of the bus and kind of down and like started signing some autographs for people. And uh, I just remember my dad said, hey, look, it's that Goo 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 Dolls guy. And none of us like wanted to meet him, which I kind of regret now because now that I've I've aged and I listened to a little bit more Goo Goo Dolls and they're really good songwriters. But um, my dad yelled at the top of his lungs, hey, Mr. Goo. And the guy like kind of put his hand up and like waved and you could just tell he was he was very annoyed with my father. But we used to <laughs> my whole like the next 10 years after that or whatever, we would just yell, hey, Mr. Goo at my dad. So another run in with that my dad had with a with a musician that he didn't give a shit about. And, uh, you know, it wasn't as bad as him telling Carrie King to fuck off. But yeah, he called Johnny from the Goo Goo Dolls. Hey, Mr. Goo. So uh, there's a good story about my dad. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I have many, many more in-depth stories about him that maybe I'll break out on the podcast sometime. But uh, that's it for this intro. We're going to jump right into my conversation now with Mr. Ray Carlisle from Teenage Bottle Rocket. Make sure you guys are following us on all of the social media platforms. It's at TOTOT Podcast. Drop us a rate, a review, and a subscription on all the little podcast catchers. You know, it really helps us out. So without further ado, I'm going to jump into it right now. This is my conversation with Mr. Ray Carlisle from Teenage Bottle Rocket. Here we go. And I'm on the line with Ray from Teenage Bottle Rocket. What's going on today, Ray? Oh, just hanging out at work, getting ready to go to Europe on Friday. Uh, my kid's going with us to Europe this time. I'm super excited. Cody's wife's going as well. It should be a party. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I've uh, I've seen a lot of stuff online. Uh, your son's name is Milo, correct? That's right. Is that uh, after Milo from The Descendants? <laughs> it is, yeah. And we are playing um, with The Descendants, the very first show, at Brack Rock in Belgium. And Milo finally gets to meet Milo for the first time. It's going to be awesome. That's awesome. Has he met any of the other guys like like before? Yeah, he's met Bill before. Okay, that's great, man. So he's Milo's going to meet Milo. That's great. Yeah. I was just thinking before we got on the phone, I was I was thinking about that because I'm a dad as well. I have I have toddlers, though. My my son is three, almost four, and my daughter's almost two. And I just, I can't wait till they're older to get to kind of, you know, like I let my son listen to music and he really likes it. But when they get older, I bet it gets a lot more fun, right? Yeah, it does. And, um, you know, they start to become their own, like a little bit more individualistic, I guess. And they, they like their own shit. Yeah. What kind of stuff is he into? Um, I really likes Weezer. He really likes Tenacious D. Two, two solid choices. <laughs> yeah. So he, 
went to the studio when we were recording Stay Rad, and he recorded two songs with his band called Human Robots. And he plays bass, drums, guitar, and he sings because he doesn't have any friends. <laughs> yeah. And um, we're doing a split seven on Fat. Oh, really? That's that's amazing, man. Yeah, it's James Bottle Rocky Human Robots, and it comes out in August, so it's going to be announced soon. And super excited. The artwork turned out great. I saw, I was in preparation for this. I always kind of take a deep dive on YouTube and whatnot, and I saw a music video where he's actually in the video with you guys playing guitar. That's really cool. Yeah, totally, man. Um, yeah, it's, it's great. We try to include him with as much stuff as possible. Um, like he went to, he, we played with Hot Water Music on Friday and Saturday at the Gothic Theater in Denver. And he did a little drum solo before the set each night and, um, you know, was side side stage and just love having him there. So uh, what is the lyrical content with uh, with his band like? Uh, one of them's about school and school lunch. And one of them's a, uh, just uh, kind of like a punk song okay. about about wanting some guy to shut up or something. <laughs> well, that's awesome, man. So, you know, talking about your son, I'd like to find out, you know, your early music memories. What made you decide that music was kind of an avenue you wanted to go down back in the day? You know, for me, it was the way that the electric guitar looked. Um, I think I walked by a pawn shop or something and saw a bunch of electric guitars inside. And I felt a connection. Um, and it was deep rooted, of course, because I was already in love with music and especially Headbangers Ball and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so my dad bought me a guitar and he taught me some venture songs, songs about adventures. He taught me Wipeout, he taught me Walk Don't Run, and he taught me Pipeline. And Brandon and I started playing the songs with Brandon on drums and we sort of played the well, we didn't sort of play. We played the fourth grade talent show, and then we played the fifth grade talent show at our elementary school in Houston, Texas. Um, and that was sort of the beginning of it all, you know. And then we started the metal band called Vehicular Homicide. <laughs> Great name, man. <laughs> and Vehicular Homicide's singer kind of got into his own thing. Um, he was kind of a jock. He later became a cop. But uh, that was right around the time that Green Day came out with Dookie and we just, our music interest just completely changed with, with Green Day and got into fat records and got into, um, the whole lookout catalog and started a punk band called homeless wonders and homeless wonders. were able to do some pretty cool shit. We played without the drive in at Gilman street once we opened up wow. for gutter mouth. That's crazy. Yeah, totally. Opened up for gutter mouth at the Ogden and then it was was that in, was that in high school? Because I know that when my yeah, you know, Homeless Wonders was sort of high school, and I graduated in ninety seven. So did I. <laughs> cool. We're the same and, age, man. That's awesome. <laughs> so I graduated in ninety seven, and we started Change Bottle Rocket in two thousand. Okay, two thousand one. I'd say two thousand one. It was pretty established. So you know. It was a high school band. Homeless Wonders was a high school band, but we broke up in the year 2000. So kept it going, you know, for two or three years after I graduated. So, you know, I, I saw online that you guys, you know, you're, you're from Wyoming. That's got to, I mean, being from there, I'm probably, it's no different for you. But like, was there a scene there as far as like local original bands? Yeah, there was, 
Uh, of course, there was. And there, there was a label called One Legged Pop, and they released the local bands, and they put on shows. They put on Fugazi back in the day. They put on Seaweed. Um, Firehose played here. Uh, so there was sort of a, a punk scene that was already around by the time I became aware of what was up. You know, I lived in Laramie in 1993, and Fugazi played up the street from me, and I had no idea because I just <laughs> wasn't in the know. Yeah. When they came back in the year 2000, I was definitely there. But Lawrence Arms has played the, uh, here in Laramie. It's a college town, and the University of Wyoming is here. So especially during the school year, shows do really well, despite musical genre. You know, it's yeah. just... And despite how big a band is, of course, a bigger band is going to bring a bigger crowd. But it's not unorthodox to have sort of a jam band play with a country band and then a metal band plays last at a show in Laramie. That's how um, it is here. I, I live in Indiana. I grew up here and I, I kind of attribute it to being sort of like where you grew up. Like we have bands that come through here, but it's not like a, it's maybe a B market, you know? And uh -huh. yeah, you used to have, it didn't matter what genre you were. Bands just all played shows together because they were the only shows, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just, it, it's really cool. The the record label that I was talking about, they released the first Teenage Bottle Rocket 7-inch and kind of released Another Way, our first record, um, before Red Scare reissued it. So, um, yeah, there, there's there's always been a punk scene here and it's there's always been a lot of local bands. It is a college town, so... A lot of these bands form, and then the lead singer graduates and moves and has a career, and the bands break up. So yeah. there's a lot of bands that start and end here in Laramie. So I was reading you know, my preparation. I go through and I research a lot of stuff. Uh, I saw that in 2003, you guys actually got to open for all in my old band, the Ataris. It was before I was in the band. Were those pretty big shows for you guys back in the day? That was one show in Laramie, and it was monumental because... Chad Price came up to us afterwards and gave a seal of approval for the band. Wow. You know, he, yeah. he explained it as, hey, I liked Almost Wonders. I really did. I love your new band. And me and Brandon took that and ran with it. You know, we, it really gave us a shot of confidence to think that we could actually go out there and do something with our music. And, and, and it helped us believe in ourselves rather than be a little insecure about it you know whenever teenage bottle rocket started we're like hey we're gonna play three chord songs it's gonna be all downstrokes we're gonna wear leather jackets and chuck taylor's <laughs> yeah. and it was right at a time where you know at the drive-in was huge and um a lot of like the get up kids and stuff like that you know like a lot of a lot of bands that were using really big words in their lyrics and sort of hiding behind big guitar solos and, and complicated music. And, and we just wanted to do the exact opposite of that. And, and we were maybe just a little insecure whether or not it was cool anymore. And we were, and, you know, the biggest part of us was like, we don't give a fuck <laughs> if it's cool anymore. Yeah. But Chad Price just saying like, Hey, it's fucking awesome. Definitely was like, dude, rad. We thought so too. And thanks for telling us that let's go fucking be in a band. That's awesome, man. So, were you guys touring a lot? Like when you, when Red Scare re reissued your album and everything, or were you guys playing more like locally or regionally? Well, we were touring as soon as it started as, as much as we possibly could. Um, you know, we were, I graduated college in 2005 and my twin brother Brandon graduated college in 2006. So we were limited 
as far as school during the semester was concerned. So we would take off during spring break, and then summer was always some pretty heavy touring months before we graduated. Uh, we, you know, total came out in 2005. So that was March of 2005, and and it, it was pretty heavy touring from that moment on. I know that you guys kind of hooked up with the Groovy Ghoulies and they helped you get on the Warp Tour in 2005 on the Space Station stage. How did you no, guys... No, I think mean, that's, that's, that's just a weird rumor. I'm not sure how <laughs> that got started. Yeah. Uh, what happened was the Groovy Ghoulies did the Space Station stage, I think, in 2004 at Warp Tour. Yeah. And then we toured with the Groovy Ghoulies in the summer of 2005. Okay, because I remember being on Warp Tour in 2004, and I remember watching bands on that stage all the time, and I saw that on the internet, and I was like, oh, I remember all of that. So you guys, hook, you guys hooked up with them afterwards, right? Right. Okay. And to add to the confusion, the next summer in 2006, we toured with the Phenomenauts and the Epoxies, and the, Epo- and the Phenomenauts were definitely a big part of that space station stage in 2004. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we just didn't have shit to do with it, really, except for touring with the Groovy Ghoulies the following summer. And then our first Warp Tour happened in 2014. Oh, you didn't go on Warp Tour till 2014? That's correct. Wow. Yeah, we, get, we we started Warp We did Warp Tour when it became stupid. <laughs> okay. Actually, long after it became stupid. With all the with all the swoopy grandma hairdos and everything. Well, you know, it became falling <laughs> reverse and sleeping with sirens, and that's cool because that's what eighteen year old kids like. And yeah. Whenever I liked Warp Tour, I was eighteen, and it was no effects on lag wagon. So yeah, yeah. You know, well, I remember I went to Warp Tour back. I think it was '98 or '99 up in Chicago, I, just as a spectator. I wasn't there playing or anything. And I remember that uh, the band Lit and Dropkick Murphys got in a fight in the parking lot, and it was pretty awesome. Yeah, <laughs> dude, it was really. Good. And I saw Eminem on the, on a small stage on that that year. Yeah, too. I remember that. I remember that. That tour is crazy, man. I mean, I was telling my wife, my wife's a bit younger than me. She's like 12 or 13 years younger than me. We were watching American Idol and she was talking about Katy Perry. And I'm like, I remember her playing acoustic guitar on the Kevin Says stage before anybody knew who she was. Mm, right. Yeah. I was just reading that yesterday. Um, that It's it's cool. It's cool. I, you know, I, I like, I like Warped Tour. We just played the very last Warped Tour ever on Sunday. Oh, out in Mountain View? Yeah, with with Jawbreaker, no effects, and it it was there was it was kind of a sad moment with just seeing a lot of the people that have been there for years walking around, and this is all coming to an end. Yeah, to be honest, I think that Kevin maybe kept the tour going five years longer than it should have gone anyway. But <laughs> yeah. my last um, time, my last time on the tour was two thousand nine, so I kind of it that year was great because we were on the main stage with like no effects and thrice and and under oath and like a, a bad religion a million bands that were great and then i kind of got away from it but yeah i think it, it went downhill a little bit but i understand kevin trying to keep up with the times because i mean when you have a tour like that i mean you do have to make some money you know <laughs> absolutely and it, it's for the kids and it yeah. always has been like i said whenever i was 18 i went to warp tour in 1996, there was no effects, fishbone, rocket from the crypt, lagwagon, face to face, Pennywise. That's, great and then line. That's a great lineup, later, man. <laughs> ten years later, you know, like you said, it's under oath, and they throw in bad religion and no effects, but it kind of became angels and airwaves and, yeah. and stuff like that. And then ten years after that, it's sleeping with sirens and falling reverse, and it was just like always kind of cool for eighteen year olds. <laughs> and that that was I have respect for that. You know, it's like he. He went with the times of the tour, and it was successful for every generation. And everyone that's into underground music has heard of Warp Tour, and and most of them gone. So 
do you, do you think that it's really going to be over? Or do you think that it might turn into? I like, think it is. I think it is. You know, because I talked to a couple of people. Hey, are we going to do another Mountain View next year? Yeah. But you, you know, Kevin Lyman's helping out Fat Mike with these Punk and Jublic shows, and I think that's going to kind of take over as far as Kev, the next step in Kevin's life. I think. I. I but I could be wrong. Because I thought maybe it'd be cool if it became like this yearly kind of like Lollapalooza thing, like because you know, yeah, like, you no, know, maybe there is a chance of that, but I kind of doubt it. How have you guys have played a couple of the Punk and Drublick shows? Correct? Not yet. Oh, not you, one. You're you're going to play some though, correct? We're about to play August 25th at Red Rocks in Denver. Oh, that's going to be great, man. Are you guys Absolutely. excited for that? Us, Bouncing Souls, No Effects, Lawrence Arms, Bad Cop. It's going to be sensational. Like, I'm so stoked. That's I mean, awesome. Red Rock is monumental. Oh, yeah. That's Red one of my Rock favorite is. venues, man. That venue is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've, I've always been interested to see what the backstage area looks like at Red Rocks. Shit like that. You know? <laughs> oh, definitely, man. And it's, uh, it's going to be a dream come true for us. And I'm, I'm so glad Mike included us. So at that, I was, you know, I'm pretty plugged into what's going on in the, you know, quote unquote punk scene or whatever. I know at that Mountain View Warp Tour date that no effects had to charter a plane from Montreal and a bunch of the bands covered them before they got there. Were you guys involved in that at all? Uh, Steve and the no effects tour manager texted me and said that I, I should go on stage and, and play a song. And, and I was like, dude, totally on it. I'll do that. And uh, but we were all just being sarcastic. Um, so I'm 41. <laughs> did stick into my eye which wasn't completely terrible but then it just kind of went really bad um some of the videos i saw there were just like a million people on stage and it just looked kind of really unorganized yeah well it was just like hey we have to kill an hour in front of a huge crowd how do we do that next thing you know it's a lead singer to goldfinger singing 99 red balloons and some guy on drums playing along with it like bob from la bamba man it was like (laughs) It was not good. That's fine. And uh, it was uncomfortable to the point where we actually just sort of hid by our merch tent. <laughs> yeah. And then no effects came on finally. And, you know, I'd say save the day, save the day a little bit. But if you're going straight from a plane to the stage and not using your own shit. And yeah. Yeah. Your, your sound's going to be compromised a little. And, and you know, no effects has always been able to roll with the punches with that. But it just te- kept them got them it took them a while to get get on their feet and then by the time they did they had to stop that's <laughs> sort of the way it went for me and then and then we partied with mike and it was all good and some 41 so that's awesome. everything was good at the end of the at the end of the day but yeah it's kind of a dramatic awkward ending to work tour <laughs> yeah i kind of wish i would have been out there man i'm stuck here in the middle of the country though so uh in uh 2005, 2006, I wasn't really sure on the year you guys went to Europe for the first time. How was that? Was that just like the most exciting? I remember the first time I went overseas, I just couldn't believe that my guitar was actually letting me go to these other countries. How was it for you guys? Uh, it was, there was some, some similarities as far as the way you felt. Uh, we, we were just completely ecstatic, um, of course. And we were there over New Year. So we left like right after Christmas of 2005 and, and we were there in, through 2006 because we played New Year's Eve, like in Milan, Italy or something. And it was really cool to go over there and be in a band in Europe. We played some great shows. We played some terrible shows. Yeah. It was freezing ass cold. 
We had no heater in the van. I mean, it was some pretty punk rock days back then for us. <laughs> um, but we made something grow and established ourselves a little more in Europe. And now it's been 20 times we've been over there, you know. Do you have any favorite spots over there? Not just because like the band does well, but do you have any favorite cities or countries that you always like? Well, to go to? I can't wait to go to Punk Rock Holiday with my kid. It's so beautiful there. And every time we played there, I've always wanted to bring Milo because the river's so pretty and just the whole layout. Um, nature, man. Nature. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome, man. Nature. Yeah. So in 2009, you guys signed with Fat. You know, we've already done some talking about No Effects and Fat Mike. How did that come about? How did you guys kind of get the relationship going with Fat? Well, we signed Fat, and Vanessa, the publicist of Fat, our publicist of Fat, was all like, "Hey, you signed Fat. Get over yourselves. What do you want from the label?" And we we were like, "Hey, we want to go on tour with No Effects." And as did. does everybody, right? <laughs> well, you know, and if you don't, you're stupid, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's like go go on tour with the biggest punk band in the world. I mean, that sounds like a fun time, right? Well, guess what? It is. Yeah, definitely. It's fucking amazing. <laughs> and what happened was the crew fell in love with us. Limo, Rugly, Wilkie. We just became really good friends with the crew before yeah. we did the band. Mike already always had some weird relationship with Miguel because they're both sexual deviants as far as weird <laughs> bondage shit goes. Yeah. And the relationships with the band sort of blossomed from there. Um, Brandon and his wife, Taylor became really good friends with El Jefe and his wife, Jen, um, to the point where they were like, you know, meeting up in different spots. I think they might've gone somewhere in California together or something. Hefe would come to our shows. We've, and then that, what happened was it led to four more tours with no effects. We did five tours with no effects total. Wow. And yeah, I mean, it just like, I consider them dear friends and it, it it's, it was a dream come true as well. You know, it was like, Hey, we signed a fat, we went on tour with no effects and it's like, Hey, what next? Yeah. It's like, yeah. Bu it's bucket list stuff because you know, you're, you're the same age as I am. I'm sure you got into fat records when I did, you know, propaganda and lag wagon and strung out and all those bands. And then to think, you know, later on down the line, you get to actually be on that label. I remember like I wasn't in the Ataris at the time, but when I joined the Ataris, I was like, wow, the Ataris put out an EP on fat records. Like I, I, the lineage was there. So I totally understand how you feel, man. So were you, what, what did you play in the Ataris? I joined the Ataris in like, uh, end of 07, beginning of 08. It was after all the big stuff. It was when the, the band kind of went back to being in, and you a, played in a van. Um, what was that? You played drums? No, I played guitar. I played lead guitar and okay, back, right. backing vocals. Yeah. Right. Gotcha. So yeah, when I saw that you guys had played with the Ataris back in 03, I'm like, man, I wish I'd have been there. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And I the Ataris in my head doesn't really stick out to me as much as all did that night. Yeah. But I I was never really an Ataris fan. A lot of my friends love it. I just missed the boat on it. And that happens to me with a bunch of bands. Well, I tell you, man, if I would have been in the Ataris back then, I would have been more excited to talk to Chad anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so okay so I, I saw this thing online you guys toured in 2013 in europe with volbeat and i thought that was the weirdest combination ever but i i know that in europe sometimes especially on festivals and even you know tours the bands aren't always along the same line so how did that come about and were those guys like cool to be around uh, it came about because the lead singer michael really loves our band and so did the bass player at the time anders and their new bass player, I guess, really likes us too. But 
they they fell in love with the song Rebound. And I'm not sure how out of our entire catalog how this song sparks whatever it sparks with the Volbeat, but you could blame the song Rebound for the Volbeat tour. I mean, it really came down to that. And Michael would come up on stage and sing that song with us. Um, whenever, at the, at the end of the day, the Volbeat tour in Europe was terrible. Yeah. Very, like, it, it was... Um, we, we came back from that tour defeated. It's t- It sucks to play in front of 16,000 people in Denmark and you sell one shirt. Wow, shirt. yeah. It, it, we just... We, there's a lot of fighting amongst the band. The whole entire crew for Volbeat hated us because we'd get off stage at 7.30 and we'd start drinking really hard by the time they're trying to tear down their shit at 10.30 at night or 11. We're completely fucking smashed, making fun of them for fucking being, you know, a part of a Volbeat crew, you know? Yeah, yeah. And um, But the band was always really sweet to us. Michael's a really sweet dude. He's really nice. We were stoked on that, that dude from anthrax was in the band we're like oh dude this guy from anthrax awesome and and uh it's just like at the end of the day it's it sucks to look back at the tour in anger but it kind of makes me angry we should have gone about the tour with a different mentality we should have sort of invested money in our band to make us represent what teenage bottle rocket could have done in front of a huge stadium crowd instead yeah we try to roll and like hire a, a sound guy that worked for the Volbeat staff and we didn't have our own monitor guy and our backdrop was hilarious hilariously small compared to iced earth and Volbeat. and oh my god iced, you know, iced earth was on that place. tour was iced earth was really on that tour yeah they were direct support oh my god man because that's so that's the thing like, rocket, ice earth Volbeat. i don't know a lot about Volbeat. i've heard like the songs on the radio and whatnot but uh, I just went down and did an episode with the guys in Baroness because my old bass player, Brian, is their monitor guy, and they're getting ready to go to Europe with Volbeat, and I was like, I don't even really think, they're kind of more metallic, and I don't even think they fit, so when I saw that you guys toured with them, and now you're telling me Iced Earth was there, that's insane, man. Yeah, well, Baroness will come, and, and they'll come correct. We yeah. didn't. <laughs> we didn't. We were trying to like make money off of getting paid. 500 euros a show or something stupid and we're afraid to ask for money because we're like this is a once in a lifetime opportunity if they say no then we lose this opportunity let's just take the first offer and we just did everything wrong and it sucks that to look back on that and uh be you know six years ago it's like god weren't we kind of smart six years ago but we weren't we're still (laughs) stupid so uh, after that, but Bobby too- did do my. They, they ended up recording Rebound on their their last record. Really? Yeah. So it's the the teenage bottle rocket song is actually on the last Bobby record. Well, then you guys are really reap, cool. you guys are reaping benefits because I'm sure that record sold amazingly, right? Yeah, they sold a lot. They sold a lot. They sent me my like platinum record. That's thing, insane thing on the wall, but more importantly, they sent me royalties. So. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying because, like, I mean, it comes up all the time on this podcast. I'm not going to talk about it a lot, but I have a huge love for Metallica. You know, I grew up in the '90s, like you did, and they always covered all of those like old English metal bands and different like Diamond Head and Budgie, and those guys now own mansions because they had a cover song on a Metallica record. So, I mean, it's that's a really nice gift from those those guys. They love your song so much, and now you've you know, at least prospered a little bit off of it. Right. 
Yeah, I certainly didn't prosper mansion wise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe in the future, who knows? Maybe the album will just keep going. Right. Well, people will blow up, man. I'd rather keep my fingers crossed for Teenage Bottle Rocket, selling as many copies as them. Well, I saw I saw something the other day. It was some kind of interview where they were playing. They played with Metallica, and it was an interview with Kirk Hammett and somebody from Volbeat together talking to each other. And I'm like, uh-huh. I'm like, that's crazy, man. To to think that you guys went out with this. I mean, because they're kind of a metal band. Did they have like a harmonica in a song or something? Yeah, they kind of do the Metallica meets social distortion thing. If that makes sense. Oh yeah, it does kind of. I guess. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, you hear it, you hear it, and you you'll think, oh, of course, this is big in Germany. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely, man. Right. <laughs> uh, but then again, hey, if there's a metalhead lady that's fucking fifty five years old in front of you in line at Target, chances are she's wearing a Bulby shirt. I mean, <laughs> they're big. They're big in the States, too. My kid and I saw Metallica with Volbeat opening up for him at Mile High Stadium in Denver a couple of years ago. And fucking hell, dude, whenever Metallica played Motor Breath. Oh, yeah. It was the shit. <laughs> I love when they play those old songs off Kill 'Em All and Ride the Lightning because, I mean, James doesn't sound like he used to sound, so it's a little bit different. But the fact that they can still pull them off, they're almost, you know, they're almost 60 years old, man. Yeah, man. Do I know. You, I, I, I love it. Do, do you we're, th- always, we're always talking about Metallica. <laughs> we're going to be good friends then, man, because that's all I ever talk about. So uh, speaking of, you know, them being almost 60 and still playing like, you know, aggressive music, because I mean, the Rolling Stones can go until they're 100 because their songs are slow and easygoing, whatever. How long do you think Teenage Bottle Rocket, like what's the shelf life? I know you're passionate about it. It's your band. It's your livelihood. You love it. But Jody and I are talking about this going forever. Yeah, I mean, why not, right? <laughs> Our fans will get old with us, and uh, we'll just keep it going as long as we can do it. That's probably awesome. gonna probably gonna end up being, you know, I, there's obviously a difference between a veil playing now, yeah, than there is a veil playing on the 4am Friday tour. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's still awesome. People gave them people. People are giving them so much shit online, like thinking it's like a cash grab. It's like, man, Avail is an amazing band. Like I was so excited that they were going to play some shows. Maybe, hopefully, fingers crossed. Maybe we'll get a new song or two. But I just I hate that when people think it's all about cash. And I, I mean, I've met Tim. I've met those guys. That's not about cash. I guarantee it. Yeah, and I watched them play Model on YouTube, and it gave me the the feeling, man. Oh yeah, they're great songs. And yes, welcome everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz and I'm Flynn McLean. Together, we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist. Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimbut the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you! Dude, you know, I think Teens Bottle Rock could stay together for another 20 years, obviously. We're not going to look the same, <laughs> yeah. But, um, I, I, you know, I love for our career to go as long as it possibly could, and yeah, and um, and you know, release music along the way. So, 
Well, I know that in, uh, we were talking about 2013. In 2014, you guys ended up signing with Rise Records. What happened to the relationship with Fat? Was it just kind of like time to try something new or like what happened Yeah, there? totally. It, it was exactly that. Um, we're back in Fat Records now, so obviously things that hadn't completely ran their course. Yeah. And we were always, we always consider ourselves a fat band even after we signed a rise, but they gave us an offer that would have been stupid for us to say no to. And we wanted to get our music out to as many people as possible. Yeah. So it rise helped us do that. You know, it's cool to go to teenage bottle rocket show at Reggie's in Chicago and see someone with an Abmeissen men's shirt in the front row. To me, (laughs) that's like, Hey, Hey, look at this. Yeah, that's awesome. There's man. like pretty good chance this motherfucker doesn't even know who Screeching Weasel is and we're their favorite band. Yeah. And to me that that's that's a that's a success story. Um but at the end of the day we milked the label for as much as we could. You know, it's like hey, buy us tickets to Europe, buy us a backdrop, pay for this video and um Eventually, Rise was like, okay, cool. Um, we're actually done giving you guys money and help unless you um, sign a contract for three more records. And we're wow. like, we're going back to fat. So it was sort of like a get in, get out situation. Craig loved our band. They took care of us. No regrets going to Rise at all. And the record that we recorded for Rise is one of my favorite teams, Bottle Rocket Records. Great songs, great production. Uh, we got to work with Bill for a month in the studio. It was it was awesome. Well, you guys went to the blasting room out in Fort Collins. Yeah, we recorded seven of our eight full lengths at the blasting room in Fort Collins. Oh, that's awesome! It's such a nice place out there, man. I uh, I was on tour one time with this band called The Reason. They're from Canada, and we were playing shows with this uh, band from Europe called the Travoltas. And they actually do the theme song for my podcast, but, uh, we were play, played yeah, in Fort. Oh yeah. We played in Fort Collins and the guys in the Travoltas are like, we're going to go stay at our friend's house. And I'm like, who do you guys know in Fort Collins? And they're like, Oh, the guys in the descendants. And we didn't believe them. So we just drove on to the next show. And then they actually did. And they went and stayed at the blasting room with Bill and everything, everybody that was there. It was, I missed an opportunity, man. Oh, darn it. But I, I've had Stefan on the show. I, I've met all those guys. They're awesome guys, man. Yeah, love them. I love them. <laughs> so um, back, getting back on fat, was there any kind of animosity or anything? Or were they just like, oh, you guys are coming home? Like, how was that? Yeah, exactly. It was that. Welcome home. Um, you know, we were on rise when my brother passed away. And... Everybody at Fat came out to Brandon's funeral. That just like speaks volumes with me. Yeah. And the rest of the band. And it was a no brainer to go back to Fat once we were kind of pressured by Rise to do a multi contract deal. But um Yeah, like I said earlier, there's there's no there's no regrets with our decision for Rise. And I certainly I'm not trying to sit here and bash them because they treated us like kings. Yeah. And um, really great guys over there, and I still work with them, and they they respond, they're responsive, and um, it was cool what they did with our music, and um, I'm just like so grateful for the opportunity. So you just you mentioned uh, about your brother's passing. 
Was there ever any like thought of maybe this is it or was it always, you know, soldier on? Cause I know you guys ended up going with a new drummer, Darren, like what was, I mean, it had to be the hardest thing in the entire world, but as far as the, the band, when all that happened, was there ever a thought of maybe ending it? Well, of course there was. And I was just really, I was just worried about that. You know, um, yeah. I was worried what Miguel and Cody would want to do. Um, and so I didn't really address the conversation for a while. Um, and Brandon passed away in November and I'd say around March or February, I finally called Cody and I just said, Hey man, I lost my brother. I don't want to lose my band. And Cody said, I agree. And as soon as we were just like, Hey, let's get it going. I called up Darren and we were playing the show. You know, it was like, called up Darren Sugar. He's the first one to come out. Um, he was the first one I called. And he came out to Laramie, not knowing if he was going to be a permanent member of Teenage Bottle Rocket because we knew this dude could play drums. We didn't know if we could vibe with him at all. Yeah. We didn't know what with his personality. We're going to be in a van for a lot of fucking miles with this guy. Um, you should see Darren's passport since he's joined Teenage Bottle Rocket. I mean, it's like pretty crazy. You know, you're you're basically holding hands with these people for a long fucking time, dude. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. You're fucking sharing hotel rooms and uh, and everything. So, so yeah, Darren came out. He kicked ass with the drums, of course, and then most of all, we were able to party with them and and have a good time. And and now, here we are. <laughs> Almost four years later, I guess, three and a half years later. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it, it's rad. You know, I, I'm not sure if Darren realized, like, I'm going to join Change Bottle Rocket and I'm eventually going to f- fly to Sao Paulo, Brazil to play with Bad Religion. <laughs> That's insane, man. Yeah. So, uh, the, the album, the first thing that came back out on Fat in 2017 was the Stealing the Covers LP. How did you pick the songs that went on the cover album? Because I know a lot of them were fairly obscure. Right. Um, well, it had uh, it was a lot to do with songs that we would listen to in the van. And so we had about 28 songs that we whittled down to 14. And it was all bands that we had become familiar with by touring. Um, I mean, obviously... Onion flavored rings are on no idea, and they have a following. Yeah, and that's probably the biggest band that we that we, we that we covered on the record. Heads up there too, but you know, no one knows Sprocket Nova from fucking Laramie, Wyoming. There's no goddamn way. <laughs> yeah, so it was kind of cool to record some songs from bands that no one fucking knew. You know, we weren't interested in doing a bad religion song or a fucking rancid song or something like that. We're going to do a cover record with like, aha, take on me. Fuck that. <laughs> yeah. Everybody does that, man. Yeah. So, I mean, and that was sort of the idea behind it as well. It's like, let's not do what everybody does. We're going to fucking do a cover record with a bunch of bands. No one's fucking ever heard of. And I guess the advantage of that is like, no one knows the songs. So it's kind of like releasing a new record, right? Yeah, definitely. It's almost like original material. It's like back to the Metallica thing. Back in the day, their first like shows consisted of eight covers and two originals. Everybody just just thought Am I Evil was one of their songs. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, you, know, there, you know, and there's an element of that as, as well. Uh, but, you know, obviously we didn't shy away from I mean, the record's called Stealing the Covers. Yeah, yeah. 
and um, we gave these bands full credit. A lot of the bands haven't responded to Fat Records, so they have royalty checks just sitting on a desk at Fat Records that, like, hey, here's your money. You just have to, like, <laughs> write Fat Records back and give them an address. Yeah, yeah. That's funny, man. So, And then I think it was the, the Four Eyes out of Sacramento was like, yeah, the royalty check we got from Fat was the most money we've ever made from being in a band. <laughs> Because you guys covered our song or whatever. And I was like, that's awesome. That's great, man. Paying it forward, right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it, it was actually a concept that Brandon came up with before he passed away. And we've been talking about it for years. And so it kind of gave us, it gave us like a buffer too, as far as like, hey, let's not go to the studio and hammer out a full length of original music right away. Let's do this cover record and we'll get Darren, you know. Yeah. We'll get Darren. Um, behind the kit, the blasting room and see how he does and also see how we do producing this record because Brandon was always the head producer on the previous Teenage Bottle Rocket records. And um, we had to grab the reins on that and part like me and Cody really had to like, you know, kind of take over as far as driving that, you know, taking the steering wheel, however you want to say it. Yeah. Just take over on production and, Stealing the covers gave us a good opportunity to get our feet wet with that shit. And then by the time we recorded Stay Rad, it was like, dude, I got a million ideas. Let's fucking make this happen. So the I got to say, Stay Rad's a great record. Vanessa sent me the, the record a while back, and it's it's awesome. I mean, I've been a fan of your band for a while, but I love the new record. I mean, I, I know it had to be a little bit different not having your brother around to, to be on the record and help produce everything. But how was the process for you as far as writing and getting everything ready? Well... Brandon was always good for one or two songs a record. So that kind of took some pressure off of me. Um, you know, Cody essentially writes seven songs and I'll write seven songs and we have a change about a rocket record. Yeah. Well, in actuality, I'd probably write five and Brandon would write two. Well, I'd write 15. Five of them would be good. Brandon <laughs> would write two. Yeah. And, and Cody would, will send over a song. And me and Brandon would listen to it like, fuck, that's good. But why don't you check out this? And we'd write a song and demo it and send it to Cody. And he's like, fuck, that's good too. Well, how about this? <laughs> yeah. And like, he'd fire back and we'd kind of get in this battle of the bands thing. And by the end of it all, it's like, oh, now we have a full length. Let's go record it. Like, um, So this one, I was writing these songs on my own. I didn't really have any feedback. I didn't have any feedback at all from my brother. My brother's gone. Yeah. And usually he was my gauge to whether or not something sucked because I have a lot of self doubt. Whenever I wrote TV set, I thought it was the dumbest shit ever. And Brandon was the one with like, he just heard me singing it from the other room. And he's like, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> and it just took him saying that to be like, no way it is. And being stoked. And so I decided to be a little more secure with my songwriting. And this time around, I wrote song titles first. Like the first time that I did acid was the last time that I did acid was definitely a song title before it was a song. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, and it just makes like the final product and the, the, the track listing on the back of the record, uh, like makes it all better to write the song titles first. And that was new. Um, you don't get the joke. There's definitely a song that a song title before was a song, um, night of the knuckleheads too. <laughs> that was the song title before the song. Cody's always written his songs like that. Yeah. You kind of come up with it, come up with the title, and then it influences what you're actually going to write, correct? 
Yeah, so I come up with the title of the song first and then write the song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd never done that until Stay Rad. Um, so that was the difference as far as Brandon not being around. And before that, I would, you know, come up with the melody, la, 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 into the chord progression and plug in lyrics to that. And so songwriting process turned out to be a little different. And Cody got a studio, going, a home studio going at his house. He's running GarageBand and demoing songs. They sound great. So that was another big difference is to be able to actually send over some recordings that were, that were great for us to base backup vocals and drum parts and bass parts off of. And, you know, come into the studio with the general idea of what we wanted to accomplish. Yeah, that's cool. So, yeah. Yeah. And then also, you have to, you have to as far as being a producer goes, don't be afraid. We weren't afraid to try new shit. And if it didn't work out, we'd like scratch it. But people were opening their mouths all the time and really kind of keeping Brandon's spirit alive in the studio, doing things that we would think that he would consider doing as well. So we mixed it and mass, not we mixed it and tracked it with Brandon in our hearts the entire time, you know? So yeah, definitely, man. So that, that's that. So I know that you guys, I was talking to my buddy the other day and past guest of the show, Sean Conlon, uh, that directed the fat wreck documentary. Uh, he said that he just did a video for you guys. How, how did that go? The video went great. Uh, it's funny. Um, it's where I want to be a dog. There's a dog shitting right away. Uh, <laughs> so that's kind of weird. Um, I, I thought the video was funny. I think that people are going to really like it. I think that it was hot as fucking Dallas whenever we videoed it. Yeah. But yeah, I'm I'm excited about the final product. It's a little weird for me because usually when we get done with the video, I obsess over it and I watch it over and over and over. Like, and I get the feeling, you know, like this is awesome. I love this. I want to watch it again. With this one, I just watched it once. I was like, "That's awesome!" And then I watched it a second time. Like, cool. And then I haven't watched it since. <laughs> well, that must so, mean it's that must mean it's pretty good, then, right? I guess so, right? It's like <laughs> watch it twice. I'm like, "Rad, cool, all right." Well, yeah, I, his uh, his band Nonstarter is actually the the sponsor for this episode. So he's like, "Oh man, tell him I said hi." So I'm supposed to tell you that oh, Sean sweet, said Rad. hello. Yeah, yeah, good dude, good crew. Yeah, the drummer for Fat by the Gallon is like a part of his little camera crew and. We hung out with those guys a lot in Europe and uh, good dudes. Oh, that's cool, man. Well, uh, you know, I've, I've taken up a lot of your time today. I just have a couple listener questions. Is that okay? That's fine. Shoot. Cool. Well, Jeremy from Texas would like to know if you would rather tour with Skid Row or Cinderella during their prime. Oh. <laughs> I, 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 you know, we played with Skid Row the other night. Yeah. I've been actually, I've been actually on Instagram, kind of going back and forth. Rachel Bullen might be on the show pretty soon. I've been really trying to get him. So nice, yeah. Well, I think it might have been Sebastian Bach's solo band that we played with. Oh, okay. But okay. I mean, they just played a bunch of Skid Row songs. They were at the venue upstairs. We were at the venue downstairs. Um, I'm gonna have to go with Cinderella on that one. <laughs> I I tell you, I did. I was on the Monsters of Rock cruise a few years back, and I met Jeff from Cinderella, and he is like the nicest dude in the world, man. That's right. Yeah, I mean, long cold winter. Yeah, fucking Gypsy Road. <laughs> I think I traveled up Gypsy Road more than I did the Runaway Train. Or <laughs> <laughs> that's two different bands. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. I got what yeah, you. I got what you're saying. I think you were road. talking. You were talking. What did you say? Runaway Train. That's a uh, Soul Asylum, right? Right. Right. <laughs> 
Right, right. Awesome. I took the gypsy road. I, I wasn't a youth gone wild. Man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 18 in life, man. <laughs> okay, so uh, I got one more list. When the children cry. Oh, that's they, that's White Lion. That's White Lion. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> two two blonde singers, but I think the White Lion guys are from like Europe or something. At least they look like Scandinavian or something. I don't know. Yeah, um, the Bullet Boys. It paid off to be fucking blonde back then. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay, so I've got one more question. By the way, Jeremy from Texas, thank you for your question. Uh, Christopher from Illinois, he says, was there ever a time on tour where you received help from a total stranger, and how did it feel knowing that their motivation was just simply out of kindness? Um, shoot. I, you know, I'm not sure how it is in every single part of the world or in the country, but if you fucking pop a tire in Wyoming, you're not going to be on the side of the road for longer than five minutes before someone pulls over to help you out. That's how it is where I live too in Indiana. Definitely. You know, it's just like, I live in an area and it sounds like you do too, where where people are just nice. Yeah. People are cool to other people. You know, it's not paranoia that everybody's going to fucking kill you or break into your house. Yeah. I haven't locked my car ever. Yeah. So, um, I mean, that's just where I'm from. On tour, we lock the van, of course. Yeah, but definitely. Whenever I'm in Laramie, dude, no one's breaking into my fucking car. No one wants my shit. <laughs> so... You know, we run into some general acts of kindness like that as far as breaking down, um, tow truck driver, putting us up for the night at his house or something like that, you know, and that's actually a really weird story of Homeless Wonders and was wild. But um, hey, if you've got time, yeah. if you've got time to tell it, man, this is all about being on the road. Like, I'd love to hear it. Well, this tow truck driver picked up Homeless Wonders. We were broken down like we it, the van was toast. There was. We killed the van. You were literally like, we homeless. <laughs> literally homeless wonders, right? <laughs> literally homeless. Yeah. We were stuck in fucking Wisconsin somewhere, probably near Wisconsin Dells. The tow truck's driver's name was Mike. And he's all, hey, you guys could crash at my house tonight. We're like, rad, cool. So we go to his house and he grabs these old school bottles of booze, like, Whoa, this is a bottle of Jack Daniels that hasn't been opened, but it was like from 1982 or something. <laughs> wow. We're like, how does this bottle sit around? Like, okay, let's drink it, right? Yeah. We pop open this bottle, and this dude puts pornography on like the TV screen in yeah. the living room, and yeah. we're all, eh, a little weird. Like, we're watching porn. Oh, okay. And then he gets out his rifle and he starts like aiming at this football field across the street at the high school. And he's all, whenever the players on the field, I always just like scope them out with my rifle. And we're like, <laughs> all right, that's fucking way weird. We're going to, we're going to call it a night. This guy's off. Yeah. And so we all like sort of pile into this guest bedroom, sleeping on the floor. I wake up in the middle of the night and this dude has his hand like above my pants on my dick. Seriously? <laughs> yeah. And I was all, well, it, he just like looks at me in the face and he goes, this didn't happen. And he <laughs> leaves the room and I was like, yeah, it fucking happened. And I woke everybody up. I'm like, yeah, this dude was there. Are you like, trying to touch my dick? And so our roadie Steve slept up against the door so no one could open it without crushing, like smashing his body. Yeah. 
And early in the morning, we got all our bags together and we like got this rental car agency to pick us up or something. And I was like, Hey, later, Mike, thanks for the hand job. <laughs> you should have wrote a song about that. You should like have that inside joke. Like, well, I don't really like reliving the story, but <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I forced you to read this to, to relive no, it. It, it, it. It's, it's a wild one. It's definitely the most crazy road story I have. That's awesome, man. Well, Mike, if you're out there listening, man, you, you gotta, you gotta go easy on the hand jobs, bro. Yeah. Get permission, man. Yeah. It's always no means no. Right. Yeah. Seriously. Okay. Well, man, you, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show before you get out of here. I know you said you're going to Europe. What does the future hold for teenage bottle rocket? Record, release, tour, repeat. <laughs> that's, that's a good way to be, man. So uh, we're gonna, what are some of the places you're hitting in Europe? Can you uh, like tell us? We're doing Punk Rock Holiday. We're doing Rebellion Fest. We're doing Glasgow. We're doing Brack Rock, Paris. Awesome. Zurich, Switzerland. It's kind of a short one. So is it like mostly festivals or are there some like one-off no, shows in there two, too? It's three festivals and four headliners. Okay. So uh, what are the socials for the band so everybody can check you guys out? TeenageBottleRocket.com. And that's got all the links, right? <laughs> yep. You'll find everything there. You know, just Teenage Bottle Rocket on Instagram, on Facebook. Awesome, man. On Snapchat. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I just want to say thank you again. I want to tell all my listeners, go out and check out Stay Rad. It just came out a while back on Fat Records. It's an amazing record. Ray, thank you so much, and I hope to see you on the road someday, my friend. Cool. Thanks for having me. Later, dude. So there it was, my conversation with Mr. Ray Carlisle from Teenage Bottle Rocket. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I had a blast talking to Ray. I just think it's so great how he involves his son Milo in everything that he's doing musically. I, I'm jealous. You know, my son Silas is only about three and a half and he loves music. But man, I just, that whole idea of like, wow, I'm going to Europe on tour and I'm taking my son. And my son's going to record songs when we're at the blasting room recording our record. Like I just, I think Ray is an excellent dad and he, I think he's doing it right. So, uh, you know, shout outs to, to Ray for that. Shout out to Milo. You know, maybe your dad will let you listen to this. I think you seem like a pretty cool kid, man. But uh, thank you guys once again for coming back and checking out that one time on tour. This is a labor of love. I love doing this show. And I just, it's so great to get to talk to so many awesome people and just interesting people that are doing such great things and creating such great things. It's, it's been my whole life's like passion to create stuff. Like if it was, you know, the camp that I have, you know, to teach kids music or this podcast or writing music or whatever, like it's just, you should go out and create stuff. I think that's what really sets people apart. And I, I can't imagine not being able to create things. And if you listen to this podcast, even just, you know, if you're like an occasional listener, I'm, I'm sure that you've got that in you. So go out there, create something cool and let me know about it. You know, get in touch with me. You can, you can email me tototpodcast at gmail.com. You can also call our hotline and leave a voicemail that might get featured on an upcoming episode. The number for that is 765-372-8818. There's a million ways to get in touch, you know, drop me a line on Instagram, drop me a line on Twitter. I, I will hit you back. Believe me, I, I, I want feedback. I want to talk to you guys. So hit me back. Let me know how things are going. 
If you guys have an idea for a guest or a top five list or anything, let me know. Let me know if there's bands I should be checking out. Who do you want on the show? That's that's what I want to know. If I can get them on the show, I will get them on the show. So thank you once again, and I'm going to get out of here, but not before I tell you a couple things. Next week on the show, I'm super stoked. My good buddy Tom Petta, frontman, shredding guitarist from Big Wig, is going to be on the program. Now, uh, Tom is just such a good dude. He's actually got a bluegrass band going right now called The World's End, and we talk about that. We talk about Big Wig. We talk about all kinds of crazy stuff, and you guys have to come back next week to check out my conversation with Tom Petta from Big Wig, one of my favorite, favorite all-time bands. I love Big Wig so much, and getting to know Tom and tour with Tom back in the day was a dream come true because I always, I've loved Big Wig since I was in high school. So uh, come back for that, but that's it for me. I'm going to get out of here. Once again, shout out to my sister and her new little baby, Archer Philip Schomburg, and uh if you guys liked my story that I told you about my dad, let me know. It'd be cool if, you know, I don't want to bore you guys, but there's a lot better stories than him making fun of Johnny Resnick from the Goo Goo Dolls. But I will, uh, if you guys enjoyed it, I will start breaking those out once in a while. So uh, thank you guys once again. I'm going to get out of here, but I'm going to play an awesome song by Teenage Bottle Rocket. It's called I Want to Be a Dog. They just released a video for this song. And uh, Sean Cologne, the guy in Nonstarter, the band that sponsored this episode, directed the video. So I hope you guys enjoy it. It's off their most recent record, Stay Rad, on Fat Records. Check it out. Download it. Buy it. Stream it. Whatever you got to do. Check it out. This is Chris signing off. And here it is. I Want to Be a Dog by Teenage Bottle Rocket. Peace.
100.7 WMMS. It wasn't just a radio station, it was a lifestyle. Cleveland is, is a rock and roll city for sure. Yeah! Get out! The wrath of the buzzard. WMMS. Cleveland. The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles. The Wrath of the Buzzard. P-R-O-H Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts.